back everyone oh i stole your line weird <laughs> okay to episode 40 Four? 44 mm-hmm. damn 44 of the baby mama's podcast i think i do it better but good try we were just sitting having our dinner sterling is sleeping and i started asking questions to jackie and then i was like wait this is podcast material so we can't have conversations just for the sake of conversation we no. must record fuck that shit <laughs> So we have decided that we are going to try for another baby starting in June. Or July. Possibly July. Okay. We'll see. Why July? Because remember, if we start in June, then we may be having to move when we're supposed to take possession of our new place. So that's not ideal. Mind you, after you have a baby is not ideal either. Mm-mm. But... No. Wait. Hold on. Right. What? Wait. No, the baby would be coming after we take possession. That's better. Yeah. That's why I would wait until July. And if June, we'd be moving with a newborn. Potentially. But then July, we'd still be moving with like a one-month-old. No, July, we would have moved when I was eight, month pre- eight months pregnant. So either way, you're going to be useless. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. really bad at moving. Yeah. So I'm going to have to be telling you what to do. Unless you want to put the kid off by six months, which I'm not interested in. Actually, I want to pref- I want to say that I'm not bad at moving. I'm bad at moving the way Jackie wants me to move. I have it down to a fine art. I'm super skeptical about this. No, it's true. I've moved with you, so I know. Yeah, but then you I'm can not get it, it done. But then when you have to unpack, it's like chaos. Why? Because it's not organized. It is, though, in my mind. See, for me, the effort needs to go in in the packing stage where you cull all your shit, you organize the crap while it's being packed so that when you get to the new place, you just have to put the boxes in the right places and everything should be pretty straightforward. See, I have it the same way, but I do areas like, this is all bedside table shit, one box. This is all that dresser, and even if there was, like, a trinket on the dresser, it also goes in the box. So then it's like, oh, yeah, right, this thing was on the, the dresser. Mm-hmm. Whereas you'd be like, this is a trinket box, this is a box for shirts, this is, like, no. bedside table, and you'd separate it all. No, that's not right. I know it's not right, that's why I don't do it. No, that's not how I do it. Whatever. Anyway, don't worry, I'll, I'll make it very clear. I mean, I can pack. Pregnant women can pack. I just can't lift boxes and move shit. But that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Okay, let's just forget about buying an apartment. <laughs> oh, wait. We signed a contract. It's too late. Fuck that shit. <clears throat> anyway, my ideal sort of age gap between our kids is about 18 months, and that's totally because of personal experience. My brother and I are 18 months apart, and I thought it worked really well um, growing up like that. Also, I'm turning 34 in June, so I'd like to be... Those eggs are getting oldie and oldie. Well, I want to get pregnant and have the baby before I'm 35. That's, like, really my ultimate goal. 
Because once you hit 35, then it's a geriatric pregnancy, and I don't want that title, and I don't want all that stress and all the extra screening and all that shit. I don't. Are you it. allowed to have a home birth if you have a geriatric pregnancy? I don't think they can tell you you're not allowed, but they can advise against it. I think it. They still need to look at you as a whole person instead of just being like 35, high risk, no, right? Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. I think that given the care providers we have, that yes, as long as it's not a high-risk pregnancy, there's no reason that we can't do a home birth, which is what I would like. So I was wondering if, like, you feel ready. Because when we were trying to get pregnant with Sterling, I was losing my mind, obviously. Everyone knows. I was like, must get pregnant, must stick it in, baby, 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 baby. Now I have one, and I'm like, ah. Do you feel that, like, physical, biological drive? I don't think so. And is it because of Sterling? Probably. I can't stop thinking about all the money and the logistics and, like, is it going to work? Are you going to be able to make enough money for when I'm on mat leave? Like, there's a lot of things to sort out, which I keep just telling myself, we'll figure it out. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But, um, no, I don't feel the way you did. For sure, I don't. And I'm sure a lot of it is because we already have a child. Do you feel robbed of that feeling? Like, no. do you want to feel that way? I felt like that with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I still went through it, but it wasn't the same. I just, no, that desperation is not something I feel <laughs> like I needed huh. to experience in my life. I wonder. But I probably, I still kind of anticipate that maybe I'll feel like that once we do start the process. And I'm actually, like, then the stakes are higher, right? Because it's like, oh, you actually have to get pregnant and you don't want it to take forever in a day and you don't know how long it's going to take and yeah I think the uncertainty will make me a little bit nuts I wonder how you're going to be with like the ovulation strips and stuff mm. if you're going to be able to be as dedicated to them as I was yeah you were really good about that I'm worried about that too I'm worried that I'm not gonna like I can't even I've been doing okay the last few months but like even a year ago I tried to start tracking my <laughs> cycle for the and like you know any of you out there who are gold stars would can relate that like you a gold star. Everybody is, knows what a gold star is. We I don't do. know. You don't know. Well, I don't think I knew what a gold star was before I met you. Anyway, a gold star is a lesbian who's never slept with a man, or a gay man who's never slept. with So a when woman. Jackie has a baby, it's going to be an immaculate conception. Also, I have to point out that I'm just way gayer than you, so that's mm. why I didn't know that. Anyway, all the gold stars out there will know that like I, I've never had to pay attention to my cycle. It's never been a thing I've, like, known when I was supposed to get my period or know if it's late or fucking nothing. Like, I don't pay attention to it because it's basically of no consequence to me. That's hard for me. And, I like, a year ago I started trying to track it with this app Clue is the one I was using. And I, like, entered information for, like, one week and then I stopped doing it for, like, eight months. And then I started it again and then I stopped and I stopped. Your cycle is <clears throat> 500 days long. <laughs> that is actually what it told me. It said that my, like, average cycle was, like, 400 and something days long. I was like, uh, I don't think I'm doing this right. So then I had to go in and, like, delete all the past data I had put in because it was just fucking up, skewing everything. So I've been doing it pretty consistently for the last few months. And it turns out I am semi-regular. Uh, my cycle's like 26-ish days long, usually. That's awesome. Is it, though? Wouldn't it be better if it was 35 days long? Because then you have fewer periods throughout the year. Uh, well, that's me. Yeah, I know. Some of mine were like 42 days long. That's crazy. Yeah. I think that's stress. I think stress really affects you physically. And I think that's part of it. 
I don't know. I think it's just my my period would be so hardcore that it would be like, whoa, let's try not to do that for a while. Mm. Your period is pretty yeah. awful. Speaking of which, have you gotten it again? No. no. So you I, got so, it that one time and, yeah. then, and then it, oh no. Don't wake up. Oh, God damn it. So I got my period back on Sterling's six-month birthday. Mm-hmm. The very day. They, all the websites said some women could get it as early as six months after they give birth, and that was me. So I was so pissed. I was like, what the cock is this shit? I was so looking forward to not having my period for, like, another year, because I'm going to, like, breastfeed her until she goes to college, <laughs> obviously. So then when I got it, I was like, fuck, man, that sucks. You were so mad. And I forgot how to have a period, because mm. it had been so long. So I woke up, and it was just, like, full on. It's like the middle of the night... And she was like, I need your help, I need your help. I was like, what? Like, what do you need my help with? <laughs> and I go, <laughs> I go into the bathroom, and somehow your period had exploded, like... <laughs> Upwards. Up, I don't know. It didn't Forwards. make any sense. There was, like, you had blood all over your hand, blood all over, like, the front of the toilet, on the floor, on the counter, <laughs> like, in the sink. I was like, what happened? You were like, I don't know, it just did that when I, like, pulled my underwear down. I was like, What? <laughs> Like, I've never had a period do that, so I have no idea what you were talking about. And you were just like, you were such a mess. It was weird because it, it was like the heaviest flow ever. So it, it seriously like went up the front. And when I pulled my pants off, it was just like everywhere. like Because you were still not like wearing a tampon because you're still postpartum. And because and I wasn't expecting it to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> expecting it at all. It was just suddenly like, hey, I'm going to like ruin your life. And it got all over the bed. Yeah, we had to change the sheets. And then, wasn't it like not long after that Sterling was sick and puking? Yeah, it was like a couple days later, Sterling got sick for the first time. Yeah, which was also super exciting. I mean, we had our niece here for a sleepover, so that was a real bummer for her, because we were like, ah, we have to go deal with this, our baby's never been sick, and we don't know what the hell we're doing, and like, when are we supposed to be concerned that she's throwing up and not keeping much down? And like, Yeah, because I went in to feed her, because she woke up, and... I laid down and I was feeding her and then I was like, okay, I'm going to escape now. And I went to get up and she started flapping her arms and just like puke came out of her. And I was like, oh no, I like overfed her. I don't know. It was a burp. So I, and it was so much. So I was like, Jackie, you need to change the sheets. I'm going to like go into the room and try and get her settled again. Cause I wanted her to go back to sleep. So Jackie's changing the sheets. And I swear the wet spot was like bigger than she was. It was <laughs> yeah. so big. And then, so she puked again and I thought that it was just like a leftover puke that she needed to do so then I was changing her because it got on her pajamas and then she had another puke and I was like oh hmm, she's sick maybe she's sick so then we basically just hung out in the bedroom she we left her with only her diaper on and we got a Tupperware no first every time (laughs) she had to puke which is about like every 10 well maybe every like 15 to 20 minutes you would just like hang her over the side of the bed (laughs) so she could puke on the floor and finally I was like why don't we get a bucket? Because she could puke in a bucket even if she's like, you know, not like holding it and doing it herself. Yeah. It was funny. It was funny though because she wasn't in between the vomits. She wasn't acting like she was upset. She was like, she didn't seem like happy she was feeling and well. kicking and smiling. Yeah, and so while she was puking, she was trying to grab it as it was going into the bucket. She would as be it was like, coming out of her mouth. Oh, neat, trying to grab it and play with it. And we'd be like, no, 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 just let it come out. Yeah. And we're taking her temperature every 10 minutes, which is, like, the most annoying thing to do. Mm-hmm. With, with a, a baby. baby. Oh, my God. 
And then after all this, we discovered that there's a thermometer that's like a soother. I was like, oh my God, brilliant. Yeah, because we were trying to do it under her arm and then she'd wiggle and it's like, how accurate is that anyway? Yeah. Uh, we but, called the nurse's line. Yeah, after talking to the nurse's line, they were like, yeah, she's fine. Like, just make sure she's getting some, you know, at the at that point she was able to drink water. So we were giving her tiny sips of water and then she would have like a couple sucks at the breast so and that seemed to be mostly staying down and then she'd puke again like 20 minutes later so we weren't super concerned about dehydration she didn't have a fever she was happy and fine so just eventually we just had her kind of fall asleep sort of upright on your chest Mm -hmm. and and then after staying like that for a while I rolled her off and felt pretty comfortable that she wasn't going to choke on her puke but yeah that was Sterling's first sickness not too bad oh my god if that's I mean, if we had to have any kind of experience with her being sick, it was, like, nothing. Yeah. She wasn't stuffed up. She wasn't miserable. She wasn't screaming. She wasn't, like, incapable of sleeping. Like, everything mm-hmm. was pretty much fine. It's funny because your your niece was like, I can help. And we're like, not with this. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of a delicate operation. I know. She's like, I want to help. And I was like, well, there's not really anything to do. Yeah. Like, really, we were just sort of waiting it out. I felt bad for her, though, because then it meant we were, like, we were in the middle of a board game, so we had to cut that short, and then I was kind of, like, back and forth. I would, like, come in and check on you and then see if she was okay, and she was fine. I mean, she's nine, so she was just, like, reading or whatever. It was a little stressful, but now I'm like, oh, we've done it. We've dealt with her being sick, (laughs) except I'm sure the next time she's sick, it's not going to be like this. Yeah, what else have we had going on lately? Lots of trying to get her to eat and her not really I don't know I think we have to reframe the way we talk about it because we've gotten to a place where like Sterling doesn't like to eat she doesn't care about food she's just an early adopter of anorexia (laughs) that's my hope oh my god that's your mom's hope (laughs) she likes to eat food that we're eating more than anything else she enjoys like actual bits of food she doesn't like purees which I don't blame her purees are fucking gross we're just taking it one day at a time we decided like a couple days ago that there's something really wrong with her sleep and we needed to like train her and then we started doing something sort of a la no cry sleep solution and it was like horrendous yeah we've talked about this on the podcast before but I keep deleting it because every time I go to edit it I'm like oh this conversation is so boring and I just delete it because I'm so sick of talking about her sleep but when we put Sterling to sleep just to summarize when we put her to sleep at night she will only stay asleep for about an hour and then we have to go in with our physical selves, lie down with her, and resettle her. Which, to be fair, doesn't usually take that long. No. On average, it's like 10 minutes. Yeah. Maybe so even less. Usually in the evenings, we're in and out. And it was, it can be kind of inconvenient and a little bit frustrating if we're trying to do something else, like cook dinner, or if we have people over and we're trying to hang out with them. But, but generally I mean, speaking, it's not, like, some nights are better than others, some nights are worse than others, but generally speaking, it's, like, roughly every hour to 45 minutes, mm-hmm. or 45 minutes to an hour, and that is essentially, like, her, we've, we already have diagnosed her sleeping issue, and it's that she has a hard time going back to sleep during the, like, light sleep phase. Yeah, so she needs us to go and help her get back into deep sleep. Yeah. She's not eating every time, so it's not that she's comfort sucking or anything like that. Yeah, so it's just it's just this thing, and, and you read anything on the internet or in these books, and it's like, by the time they're six months, they should be able to go the whole night. No. They say, like, they should be able to go at least five five hours. Yeah. 
which technically sleeping through the night is like midnight to 5 a.m. So. so I was just saying it would be nice to have three hours if, it would, if Jackie and I could get through a movie or like a TV show. Like have dinner and watch a TV show without being interrupted. That would be nice. But And we were like, okay, we're going to do this and that and the next thing. And finally we were reading this book, the baby book by Dr. Sears. Yeah. And it kind of was saying... Isn't it technically by Dr. Sears? Because there's, <laughs> there's like a whole bunch four of Dr. Sears. Yeah. <laughs> they were kind of explaining how it's not a big deal. Yeah. Essentially, they were just like, if you're, you know, practicing attachment parenting, which we essentially are, this is just part of it. And that there's this idea that like, if you don't train them now, they're never going to be able to sleep on their own. And that's not true. This is just babies sleep differently than adults. And in the transitional phase between those two stages, it takes a while. It takes a really long time for them to learn how to sleep. It's not intuitive and they need you. They need us. Mm-hmm. So we just decided we're going to stop fucking stressing out about it because every time, and this like this drives me nuts, every time you talk about it with anybody, even if they have a kid that they've had recently, they say, well, get her out of your bed. Like, that's not the problem because literally the minute we're in bed with her, she sleeps better. It's just her sleeping alone. So I think if we actually tried to get her out of our bed, it would be like that all night. She'd be waking up every hour all night. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to do what works for you. And if I had to do that because I'm a shitty sleeper, then I would be fucking awake all night because I can't get myself back to sleep either. I wonder yeah, where she you gets were like it from. getting up and physically leaving your bed, even if it was to like walk a few steps to her crib, that would be enough to like fully wake you up. And also in that scenario, you're waiting until the baby's like crying. Mm-hmm. And when you're at the point when like, because like usually even now, like we have a monitor and we watch and when she starts like moving a bunch and rolling over back and forth and kicking, we're like, oh shit. And we run in there before she's like really worked up and even has, usually she hasn't even opened her eyes yet. Yeah. So that makes it a lot easier to resettle her and get her back to sleep right away instead of waiting until she's fully crying, screaming, you've heard her, then you get up and walk over to her then pick her up or do whatever it is you're going to do, I think it would be way worse for us if we tried that. But uh, the, thing, the thing, too, is that we've kind of realized that when you talk to other people, they'll give you advice based on what worked for them, and it's like, cool, but you have a different kid, mm-hmm. you know? And it's also really frustrating to have people constantly tell us to get her out of our bed because they just assume instantly that that's the problem. That she's it, being too spoiled by sleeping with us. Yeah. It goes back to the thing of, like... She's being manipulative, manipulative somehow. Yeah, when really, like, babies aren't, they're not trying to manipulate you. They're literally just doing whatever works to get their needs met. It's so weird. I've been thinking lately how, as adult humans, when you partner up with someone, you then share a bed because it's comfy and it's cozy and it's nice to sleep next to someone. Yeah. But with infant children, we expect them to sleep on their own when we're not doing it ourselves. Yeah. Like, I'd way rather sleep with you than by myself. Yeah. And if you weren't around, then I would be very lonely. You know what I mean? Like when you're not, when you don't come to bed, if you sleep on the couch or when you're working nights or something, it's like a big empty cold bed. Yeah. And then when you're in it, it's so much better. So it's like, it's weird that we have these expectations of children that we don't have for ourselves. Well, and the thing too, that I really appreciated when I was reading up on, uh, sleep through in the baby book is that Dr. Sears was like, you know, everyone talks about bed sharing or they call it sleep sharing that everyone's talking about that like it's a new thing and he's like no the weird thing is what our western civilization has decided is something we need to do right now which is have our babies completely separate from us most places in the world sleep share bed share co-sleep because it 
because it just makes sense. Like, we are mammals. How many mammals do you know that don't sleep in the pack that they, like, live in? Yeah, they go and put their baby in a bush and then sleep 15 feet away from it? No. Yeah, like, it doesn't... For And everything that babies are, like, wired to need is all about proximity. The reason they wake up so much during the night is, like, there's multiple reasons, but part of it is because they need to make sure you're still there because that literally is the, like, one thing that defines their survival is their parent because... Infants are useless. They can't do anything by themselves. It's also because they don't have the same kind of sleep patterns as us because they don't, they just haven't developed enough to be able to stay asleep that long or not eat that frequently or whatever. But, you know, there's so much advice about sleep and it can feel really overwhelming. And you kind of, there's all this pressure to train babies, sleep train your baby, sleep train your baby. I just, I don't agree with the, the cry it out method. And more and more, you know, professionals are saying you're essentially just teaching your baby that you're not going to meet their needs when they're needing you the most. You're just like, nope, figure it out. We're not worried about it now. We're just sort of like, this is what she needs right now. She Mm -hmm. needs us to come in every hour. That's fine. It's not a big deal because, okay, well, I think that there's just like a fundamental difference between people who longed for and had to work for having a baby Versus someone who got married was like, now I'm going to try and have a baby. Oh, I'm pregnant immediately. Now I have this baby. Because I've just seen the differences. And you and I are just like, we want to soak up every minute that we get with Sterling. And I'm happy to have her in the bed. And I like when I wake up next to her. I love it. And she's like babbling and staring at me and kicking and like... Whispering in your ear. (laughs) Yeah, even in the middle of the night when I roll over and I like open my eyes, it's nice that she's like in between us. Like, I love all that stuff. I love our evenings. I love bath time. I love the mornings. I just... I'm so happy to just do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I have no real desire to be like, fuck, get her away from me. I need a night to myself. I need someone else to take her. I need to go out and have a drink or anything. I want her to like... That's not true. No, but... You said the I other said day. I was craving to have a drink, but not away from her. I no, you just her. wanted to go out to have a drink. I was yeah. like, we could go to a restaurant. And we're like, yeah, but we don't have the money for that, which I was like, touche. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like, I want her to come. I want to find somewhere we can sit on a patio with our baby and have a drink. I don't want to leave her with someone else because... That's a thing. That's a thing we can do. We just need the money for it. Yeah. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so I think that there's a difference. Like, yeah, I just am enjoying having her around. Am I making sense? I mean, it's... I think it's different for different people. I don't think you can reduce it to just specifically that we had to try really hard and some people don't have to try at all. It just happens for them. I think there's more to it than that. But also, we've wanted kids for a while, you know, it's not like we can just be like, okay, let's just have one. You know, we had to save up a bunch of money. We had to be in a specific financial situation where most straight couples can just kind of wing it, right? You can just kind of get pregnant and be like, eh, all right, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't, we couldn't wing getting pregnant. So it does, like, give you a different approach to it, but... It is kind of interesting because there's sort of that rhetoric of like, oh, God, being a mom is so hard and, like, having a new baby is so stressful and you really need to, like, take some time for yourself and all this stuff. And we're like... Yeah, who was it? Someone asked us recently, have you... And they phrased it in a way that was, like, judgmental. Mm -hmm. Have you even been away from her for a night? Yeah. Like, why? No, we haven't, and we're And I feel like we've talked about this before. I don't understand why everyone thinks we need to get away from her. 
Yeah, like it's one like thing we li- if you guys like her too much. I don't like that. You guys love spending time with your daughter. I don't like that. You go away from here. But like it's, it, I think it's a supportive thing if you're talking about people who are like, oh my god, I'm so stressed out. Like I really need some time to myself. Neither of us have ever said that mm-hmm. because we don't want that. Like I, I don't miss going out. I, I feel like we spent so much of our life doing all the stuff we wanted to do for ourselves. We went traveling. We would go out to drink with our friends all the time we would have parties like we did all of that so now I'm kind of like don't really want to go to the club don't really miss wasting like a hundred bucks a night going out drinking can't afford it anyway logistically we don't have a situation where where someone else could come in at this point and take care of her and neither of us are like needing anything other than where what we have right now yeah. So it does feel judgmental when people are like, you need a night away. You need to let us babysit kind of thing. And we're like, well, no. Like, we're good. Thank you, but we're fine. Um, yeah, the other night when I was making dinner, you were doing bath time. And I was like, okay, I have to go and be in there. And I was like, no, you can just stay and, and make dinner and just let Jackie do the bath. And I was like, but I want to hang out with them. I know. <laughs> like, I usually, didn't even want to make dinner. I just wanted yeah. to, like, be in there with you guys. I know. And I feel the same way sometimes when it's just one of us in the bathroom that, like... Because we usually do bath time together. All three of us sit in there and, like, whether one of us is just, like, ignoring everyone and just on their phone or whatever, we're all just, like, in the room together. <laughs> in the which tiniest bathroom to ever. most people probably seems weird. But, like, this is everything we wanted. So why wouldn't we want to... Like you said, soak up everything. Don't want to miss a thing. It's so silly. People even make fun of me because I sit in the backseat. I sit in the backseat of the car. Okay, shut up. <laughs> I sit in the backseat of the car with the baby. And she usually drives because she's a nervous passenger. So I just sit with the baby because I'm like, why wouldn't I? Why would I make her sit back there by, their, by herself? She doesn't love the car, so it's better if I can like distract her when she's like, getting super annoyed, right? Mm-hmm. But people always make fun of like how... In, I don't know, involved we are. And I feel like some people that do it, it's like they're saying it because they didn't do that. And it somehow makes them feel insecure about the fact that they didn't do that. Well, I think there is this sort of, this weird myth or just idea in the world that if you do that kind of stuff, your kid's never going to be independent. They're not going to know how to do anything by themselves. Yeah, that idea that you can like, what is it that, that saying? Spare the rod, spoil the child. You can't spoil a kid. Like, you can't actually ruin them by loving them too much. No. I mean, if she was, like, getting on in years and we're still, like, group bath time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, now mom's going to sit in the back with you, like, seven-year-old. Like, obviously, we're going to let her do things on on her own. own. Bathe on her own. I mean... As she slowly becomes more independent. I just don't know what the rush is. Everyone's always in such a rush. I think it's it's really this like Western idea that we should our babies should sleep by themselves and our babies should do X by themselves and they should be able to do all this stuff alone. But it's like th- she'll get there. It feels like it's those same people too that are being like, "Get her out of your bed! Oh my God, why haven't you left her alone with other people?" Who are like, "Soak it up now because you're gonna blink and she'll be 18." You know, I feel like that those are the same people saying that shit to us. So it's mm-hmm. like, what do you want from us? Mm-hmm. You want us to, like, leave her, but then also cherish every moment? We mm-hmm. can't do both. Yeah, and honestly, I, I approach parenting, and, like, obviously we just have one baby. She's under one. It's not, like, the same as having, like, you know, a couple of, like, preteens or whatever. But the way our we approach parenting really is that, like, we're all in, man. This is, like, it. 
this is what I want to do with my time. Do we still have, we see friends regularly. We go outside, we go to the store, we go to the park, we go for walks, we go to the forest. Like we do. We go to the forest. (laughs) We do what we need to do. So it's not like we're suffering or anything is like wrong with our day-to-day life from our perspective. So yeah, it it would be nice if everyone could just accept that we're happy with how things are and (laughs) we're fine. Mm-hmm. We have a monthly board game night where we bring people over, and everyone loves it because they get to like hold a really cute baby and play games, and we like bring snacks for the day. Yeah. And that's you know we've like adjusted so that we do get to socialize without feeling like mm-hmm. we need to leave her with a babysitter and go out on the town. There's nothing wrong with that if that's like what you've done. Yeah, yeah. And that's your. It's what just you not need. what we want. It's just funny how that's what people think we need. Yeah, like I have no interest in having a babysitter and going out and getting drunk with who you know like I just don't know what we would what would be the purpose of that I don't even know if I could get drunk like I don't think I'd be able to loosen up enough because you're on worried about her yeah like like, what if they called and were like she had to go to the hospital and you're like wasted what are you gonna like yeah how are you gonna care for her as a parent if you're drunk showing up at the hospital because she fell and knocked her head or whatever it is yeah plus like she's just because of her sleep like not realistic to expect someone else to come in and try and figure that out and I think maybe people hear that and are like oh you need to make things different so this can happen it's like but we don't want it to happen Mm -hmm. yeah she's not even eight months old she's still a little baby she is and I like being needed (laughs) and right now on the monitor it looks like she's suffocating herself with a pillow no it only looks like that because of the angle Mm -hmm. she likes having the top of her head against the pillow but her face is totally unobstructed. I promise you I did not leave her in a precarious sleeping situation. (laughs) Okay, so we have another update from Alex and Aaron. So, hello everybody. Uh, You'll be very happy to know that for preparation for this recording um, I have said far less stupid things and have been abused far less because Erin is off the crazy pants hormones yeah well I'm a I was a freaking peach that whole time I don't understand what you're talking about so peaches is finished (laughs) with those hormones and this has been a lot less traumatic yeah the last few weeks have been (laughs) much more easygoing Um, yeah, so I went to Phnom Penh to have my, Phnom Penh, Cambodia, to have my eggs collected. Um, unfortunately, because of financial reasons, Alex wasn't able to come with me because tickets are quite expensive to leave DACA. Um, so... I just like to lock you in here. Yeah, exactly. So, unfortunately, um, we did make the tough decision that I would go alone, um, which was interesting. Hmm. Uh, we, I went with a local airline here, Beeman, which was, is challenging. And in the best of days, flying is just frustrating. Like things happen and, you know, flights get canceled. But when you're raging with hormones, (laughs) flying is so difficult. So I got to the airport and realized my flight was going to be delayed by about two hours. At best. I mean, but... Beeman will do this anyway. And if they tell you two hours, you know it's going to be longer than that. Yeah. So, which meant I was going to miss my connection flight yeah. to get to Phnom Penh. And because I was having the trigger shot that night, in order to have my eggs collected, um, I can't remember the, 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 the next, next day. day or two days later at whatever, 12 o'clock, you had to have the trigger shot exactly 
I think it might have been like 36 hours before. So I started freaking out because if I missed that flight, then meant I wasn't going to get to Phnom Penh until 10 o'clock, which would have meant I missed PM. PM, which would have meant I missed the clinic and wouldn't have had my trigger shot. So raging with hormones, I'm calling Alex and trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get to Phnom Penh before five o'clock to make sure I get the trigger shot? Mm-hmm. Alex, meanwhile, was having a crazy day at work. I had a bunch of consultants uh, flying from overseas. I had my whole entire week uh, with them, and they just would not leave me alone. So I've got Aaron, uh, you know, in clear distress in the airport, which is not a great airport anyway. Um, and we're talking in codes, basically. So Aaron's yeah. in the airport. It's full of mosquitoes. She's trying to work out what to do. I'm, like, on the phone to other airlines trying to book new flights how much is going to cost because like, i was good because will t- you get there yeah and the tickets weren't con- like on the same airline so i was if i missed that second flight i was going to have to purchase a whole new ticket it's expensive but actually you couldn't even really get there there's only no. a certain amount of flights exactly. that go so it was kind of the last one really yeah so it was a lot of stress yeah so i'm on the phone um trying to figure it out i'm on like i'm like yelling at the poor ticket people it was, it was just a mess. So anyway, get on the flight. It's a horrible flight. So I get on the flight. I land in Bangkok. By the time I had about 40 minutes yeah. between flights at this point, and I'm like full of eggs. Like, right. I was so uncomfortable and I was told not to run. So I'm like walking as fast as I could from like one gate to like the next to like talk to the lady to say, am I going to make this flight? What am I going to do? So I like getting another ticket as well. Yeah. I had to like like, issue tickets. Right. So I got to the transfer desk and I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm like, okay, did I make the pen on pen flight? Like, what am I going to do? And she like is laughing, looking at me and she's like, don't worry. Like this, this flight that you're already booked on also was delayed. And I'm like, great. And then I realized, I'm like, wait, 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 how long is it delayed? And she's like, four hours. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> so then I'm still calling Alex and I'm calling the clinic and I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, I'm stuck. I'm not going to land in Phnom Penh until 9.30 p.m. I'm like, is it still going to be possible to get the trigger? So we're WhatsApping with our doctors at the yeah. same time as well. Yeah, and like the coordinator, like the coordinator, and they were so kind and so nice, and like, don't worry, we'll have like our nurse like stay late for you, so she can give you the the trigger shots. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I think I'm gonna be landing around 10 o'clock, but I'm of course at this point not sure. So anyway, so I, yeah, so I'm in the in waiting for the flight, and then realize that I have to give myself the the last of my injections so i'm calling the clinic i'm like do i have to have this like yes you and at this point i don't know has to be they're like now. now you have to give it to yourself like right now in order for the trigger shot to work or something i'm like oh my god we're also dealing with time differences right so that was hard with all the stress as well like calculating so, real quick when yeah so then i don't know where to go in the airport because it's the one where you have to mix it yourself so i was like oh like I don't want to be mixing this shot like in front of people because it's weird and then like it's giving really myself weird. a shot and I hadn't done it before because Alex had been giving me all the shots like along because I'm pretty bad at I mean it's not normal or like I'm know. sure it's like not comfortable for anyone to shoot themselves in the I stomach know. with was, an injection but you were particularly bouncy yeah, and I think went in both of our legs a few times I know it's pretty bad so yeah you have to do it yourself now yeah so I so I'm calling Alex of course I'm like 
So Do it with my consultants, you won't leave me alone. Yeah, and at this point you're in a van, like you're traveling with them, and all, everyone in the van spoke English, so I'm like calling, panicking, being like, oh my god, I have to give myself the injection, you're like, it's okay, calm down, just go in the bathroom, you'll be fine, get your laptop out and use it as, as like, like a, a, like a, a desk. desk. And I'm like, are you up. freaking kidding me? I'm not going in the bathroom. I'm like, germaphobe. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And then I'm like, poor, it's not Alex's fault, but I'm screaming at her. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is so fucked up. And she's like, it's going to be fine. I'm like, no, it's not. So anyway, I'm going to keep my call. One for Erin to try and calm her down. But also, this is a very loud conversation that's happening with a van full of like colleagues who all speak English. Yeah. You can probably understand this. Yeah. So anyway, so I end up going into the bathroom, getting my laptop out, setting it up at my desk, like as a desk, trying to start like mixing, mixing it, it up and everything, you know, putting the liquid in with one needle, switching needles, trying to get it out and then trying to get the shot into me. All big challenges because at one point, so I have, I did all that. I'm about to inject myself, but because I'm basically a doctor because I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy, I knew that if you had any air in the needle, you would die because air would get into your body. I'm, you know. You're a doctor. I'm basically a doctor. I know that's true. So then I call Alex up again, and I'm like, oh my god, there's air in the needle. I can't get it out. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill the child. I'm going to kill us. It's not going to work. And Alex's like, no, no, you're fine. I'm like, no, I'm not. And again, Screaming in this in the stall of the it's bathroom. Quite hysterical. It was really stressful and yeah. really yeah. I mixed my ma- I like definitely met my max. So then I start doing it and then I'm like, okay, fine. Like bathroom, right? There's like a few other cubicles. Oh god, it's so everybody's listening to this. Yeah, they can hear one of one side of the conversation. Which is Aaron. a lot of like, fuck, I can't do this. Fuck, oh my god, oh my god, I can't believe it's so fucking this. huge. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. And then, so, and then I can hear, like, the fact that my flight's about to board, and I'm like, ah! And Alex is, like, trying to walk me through it. Yeah. In English. Yeah, and I've got, like, a van full of colleagues, as I said, and I'm trying to say, yes, just turn the needle upside down, and you just flick the bottom of it. It will be fine. (laughs) Inject yourself. Three, two, one. Okay, let's try that again. Three, (laughs) two, one. No, no, you're doing great, and you will not die. It's great. So, <laughs> with a lot of weird looks from everybody, oh basically. God, yeah. And I do have a vision of, I had to get the car to stop because I just wasn't working. I had to get out and actually talk to Aaron. So the car stops. You know, it's supposed to be stopping. It's sort of a um, security problem. So I'm standing on the side of the road, tall, blonde person, <laughs> uh, on the side of the road, on a phone, <laughs> with a van full of people looking at me. And there's like Bangladeshi dudes everywhere. There's like little tea wellers. They're like chain smoking listening to me having this conversation yeah, it was bad so anyway got the shot into me made my flight i land in phnom penh race into a taxi race to the clinic and the very sweet nurse is there waiting for me and she's like okay how you doing i'm like oh my god and i'm like all worked up completely just absolutely at my ends with crazy and she's like okay so have you been de-stressing you're taking care of yourself i'm like oh my god no i wasn't supposed to be de-stressed until the first of april i got it's not, days it's in my calendar i'm not supposed to be de-stressed yet was i supposed to be de-stressed do i need to be de-stressed oh my god i didn't do that and she's like okay so you haven't been de-stressed that's fine that's fine you're Holy right lady. you're not you're not supposed that was definitely not part of the plan you're okay um, but then informed me that I wasn't going to be able to have the trigger shot there. I was going to have to do it by myself because of timing, which, which, which was, was stressful. Yeah, and a huge shot. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it was 
three or four huge shots. So I ended up having to do that myself, like back at like back at the apartment because I was staying with one of our friends. And but I did it. I gave ourselves the shot. It sucked. It they were huge and terrifying, but. But we did it, and then the procedure went off really, really well. Um, well, except for well, <laughs> the last thing because they put you under. So the last thing I remember with the German doctor, who was lovely, um, was oh my god, this who's just like oh, this isn't the right size instrument. Do you have the other size? And the girl was like, no, we don't have it. He's like, what do you mean you don't have the right size instrument? And that was like. Then you're out. That was the last thing I remember. But it went really, really well, and I had seven eggs taken out, and which created seven very viable embryos, which were grade one and two. So, yeah, we're really excited. Yeah. Every yeah. It yeah, all, we're thrilled. It was my, all worth it. It was worth that. My little peachy chicken did great. Yeah, and. It's over. Now we can laugh about it. At the time, it was a little stressful. Yeah, the time was quite stressful. Now we're at the stage we can start to laugh at it and just exactly. chalk it up to yet another crazy mm-hmm. international experience that just gets <laughs> multitude with air and with hormones and oh, yeah. stress of trying to make a baby. Yeah. So now we're going to answer some of your questions. Erin, why did we have IVF and not IUI? Because I think IVF was definitely going to be cheaper in the long run, mm-hmm. both with time like time as well as money. So if we would have done IUI, we, it, there would have been a lot more back and forth, and we would have gone through more vials of sperm, mm-hmm. which was also really expensive to come over. Yeah. So with IVF, you only use one vial per round. And I'm not really sure how it works with IUI, but we were told it was you would have to use more than that. So. Yeah, and in terms of the coordination as well, it was a bit more manageable for us to be in Asia mm-hmm. and just move it across and have it in Phnom Penh there rather than us going back and forth and then continually talking to clinics and things like that. It just, yeah. you have lived here for a long time, it's just much more manageable for us to do it in Asia. Yeah, and which is why we didn't do it in Australia or, in, or America. Australia would have been really expensive because I'm the one going through, mm-hmm. going through IVF and I don't have, and I don't count in their healthcare. Yeah. yeah. And in the States, that would have been a huge tickets back and forth. And timing, I can't even wrap my head around like how more difficult that would have been. Yeah. Because we wouldn't have been able to be over there very long with time off. And yeah, yeah I just I think would have been really complicated. Um, so yeah, so that's why we did IVF. And it's for IVF, it's one lump sum is, is with the clinic that we're working mm-hmm. with. Um, so we were able to budget that a lot easier. And it's about 5000 dollars. Yeah, which includes the appointments and the shots and the pills and everything, um, the procedures. Um, and then it's $800 for every try after. So if it doesn't work the first time, then it's $800 afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the one big hit of a cost um, was getting the sperm over. Mm-hmm. So, and that was about two and a half thousand. So that was um, the one time, hopefully just a one time thing. Like I said, we had five vials, so yep. we kind of planned it that way. We bought a lot because uh, it was the same price, um, and, like, uh, shipping wise. Um, yeah. But I mean, in terms of the planning of it, we've been, we've made like huge sacrifices mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, we were both living together in Cambodia, but Erin had to move to a country in Africa um, to be away just for her career. She needed to, uh, yeah, do that for her. And for my career, I had to stay. Yeah. So we were actually apart for 18 months. Yeah. 
Um, and it's just so far, like the time difference oh was really hard. We both didn't have much time off. We were like dirt poor. Yeah, because we're everything we were saving because we knew this was coming up. We mm-hmm. and I'm a big budgeter, so like I knew it, this was like IVF in general. We I, we just knew it was gonna be a huge expense. Yeah. So I did change organizations um, with that in mind. Like we we knew we wanted a family. We knew if we wanted a family, this was a decision we were going to have to make and, and it was tough it was tough being apart but for so long but yeah we had been making sacrifices for that so then I wasn't able to move until I finished my contract mm-hmm. to be able to get a new one in this country so it was a lot of juggling but it was a lot of we'd been thinking about it for a long time and we we're just trying to line everything up yeah so that it would actually work out yeah. so we could do this properly it's, it's it's hard it was we blame our kids a lot yeah Maybe we'd be like cool. a lot of tearful phone calls. Our babies better be worth it. And also cute. And also freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, no pressure for our children. Exactly. <laughs> um, but also, thank you to adding to uh, the crazy about <laughs> the doctor adding to the vials. Because I actually said that to Erin as well. Like after the procedure. Yeah. I was on the phone to you and I was like, side note. Do you think he would be that crazy doctor that is just impregnating all of these like women? And what did you say? Well, I. <laughs> what did you say? He wasn't like the worst looking guy. Yeah, you're he, like, eh, maybe. Yeah, maybe fine. What? <laughs> yeah. So let's hope that didn't happen. But apparently, Aaron's cool with it if it did. So yeah. at least one of us is happy. Yeah. I mean, he he was a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. But yeah, we, we laughed with that question pretty hard. Yeah, Alex was like, I know. That's what I thought. <laughs> uh, so our families, um, you were asking us if they're supportive if they know. Yeah, I think our families are extremely supportive. Uh, we're very lucky. Yeah, we're super, super lucky. Um, they're really excited for us. Um, my brothers have been very, you know, given good calls and checking up on us a lot. Um, they're even listening to the podcast just to learn more about what it's like. Like, what are we going through? Yeah. Because um, so sometimes it's a bit easier than asking us direct questions. Maybe they feel like they don't want to ask, they want to impose. Mm. I think it's a bit same with my family as well. Um, but my mom is a nurse, so she has been awesome. And we, like, Skype texts every single morning. And so, like, poor mom has had calls at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning her time because I'm trying to inject Erin with like a huge ass needle. So I had to check with her like which one, which needle goes in for Erin, which one is just for drawing up the solution. I'm like, I don't think that goes in me. Call your mom, yeah. call your mom, check. And she's been good. And thank God we did because that yeah. was the wrong needle. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they're a bit, they've been really, really great. And I think um, maybe once we are pregnant mm-hmm. as well, it'll be more of a discussion with them at the moment. It's just hard. Yeah. Time differences and mm-hmm. be able to sit down and chat about it so often. Yeah, but with your family is really hard. Yeah. But your family's being super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Your brothers are great. Yeah. And Sam. Yeah, my brother's girlfriend. Very involved as well. Very cool. We're also quite lucky to have um, like great support next week within our friends. So being overseas, often your friends are just like your family because you're all you've got basically. Um, so when Aaron was flying over to Phnom Penh and having this horrific experience with the flights and um, the delays and everything, I was just so grateful when she finally landed because I knew she was with our like our international family, she was with two of our best friends and they would just take care of her and it's mm-hmm. all fine now. Yep, I landed, I was staying with 
one of our really good friends, Mark, and he, he's got dinner ready for you. Yeah. He's picked you up. He's got your bed made. Yeah, so everything was great. And then my... Meethy? Yeah, my really good friend, Meethy, also was there for um, was there for me throughout the procedure, and she was actually one of my people at, the, at our wedding, so yeah. she's kind of been around for all our major life events. But, yeah, she was great. Picked me up in the morning, sat with me, made me laugh, so I was like no stress whatsoever she was just like perfect and then I went back and Mark was taking care of me making sure yeah I was eating and it's kind of how like in our international family is like um our friend Jess is fantastic and is constantly checking in and asking how we are and our friends here in Dhaka are as well as like are giving us they're a great support unit really mm-hmm. really great with just asking us how we're doing two of um two of our friends have have had friends or family who have gone through IVF so they you know they can sympathize with us a bit and they're just always around for a big hug and they really do kind of give us give us the almost fill the gap where maybe family members would would be feeling the step in otherwise yeah but I mean something that has come up recent and I think it's more from like your questions was that uh we don't have any connection to the LGBT community here mm-hmm. and that's something that we have identified that we should have yeah uh, we don't have really any gay friends but it's really sunk in that we should do that and it's yeah. something that we need to either try and find here or our next country that we move to yeah it's it is different still like so yeah. we've got DACA friends here that understand obviously what it's like to live here but there's an extra level of like complexity mm-hmm. that is just yeah. for us that it's hard to relate that to anybody it's hard for people to get it yeah, and there was just, it would be nice to be able to, you know, talk about being gay mm-hmm. here. It's, yeah. It's tough, I mean, and I guess we don't really think about it or reflect on it too much because it's just like what we're doing. Yeah, but I mean, even small things like, so we had, um, we finally got our wedding pictures. Mm. And we we're making the comment to our friends that we couldn't obviously go get them printed here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, why? Because like the printing company's shit? We're like... No, because we're two girls. We can't go get our wedding photos it's, printed. It's illegal here. Yeah, and they're like, oh. You know, it's just little things like that that I think sometimes just miss me. But anyway, we're, we're totally blessed with our friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just wish that they were gay. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to convert them. <laughs> anyway, so our next plans. Um, we do want to move to a new country, a country that would be a bit more accepting of us, so our life would be a bit easier. But... It's too much right now, I think. We are putting it in the pipelines to move, but I think with Erin like, trying to get pregnant and all of that, it's just too much to try and move as well, um, start a new country, learn different jobs. It takes a lot for both of us to sync up with our jobs as well. We work for different organizations, so for both of us to land good contracts and move, it's just too much right now. It's sort of like step-by-step, step. let's just yeah. do the baby thing, and then at the same time, just put it out there for, for next yeah. year, I think. We're re- yeah, because we, we definitely don't want to stay here nope. longer, not, longer not than we need to, but children. not with children. For now, it's okay for us. We can get away with just being like weird housemates or yeah. sisters or something. Everyone, yeah, everyone just... Well, we're weird anyway, as far we're, as, as, far as just seen as like we're weird people, so yes. we can get away with it. Yeah. I mean, um, but I mean, in Cambodia, uh, we're surprised that people don't know uh, that we're together sometimes because we had this like um, beautiful maid that was helping us out for five years. She worked with us, yeah. and she came into our apartment, cleaned a it one day. bedroom, one apartment. bedroom, very tiny, 
full of pictures of us like living very normal lives and it was like a week before the wedding yeah. i think and i showed her my wedding dress and she's like gushing over it and she's so happy for me and in broken english she's like who are you marrying <laughs> and i'm like what <laughs> what how do you not know yeah, yeah. i'm like uh, okay i didn't even know what i said yeah. i think i just probably like the cat pulled me out at her and yeah. i was like oh, okay good let's just move on from that but Anyway, at the moment we can be in a bit of disguise, but that's mm. not something that we want to do. Definitely not for the child. We don't yeah. want to have to put the child through that as well. Not at all. So, yeah, so we're, um, so it's really hard not being able to be out at work because, again, it's, you can't, I couldn't tell our national colleagues that I'm gay or that. Or just mention me. Or, well, I mention you, but they all think you're my roommate. They're like, oh, Alex, your roommate who cooks for you, who does everything for you. Mm, yeah, we know Alex. And, like, everyone knows about her. No, no one's met you, but, like, yeah. everyone knows that you're in my life, and I talk about you all the time. But I also have to, like, because being married is quite important culturally, they're like, oh, so who are you married to? I'm like, oh, well, my husband's in Cambodia. And I always have to have this song and dance that I go through with them, which which is a necessity of living here. It's one of the things. But it, it does suck. Like, it, it, it's just not... And your husband works for the same organization as me. Yeah, it's really weird. And lives in Cambodia. It's really weird. Yeah, so I've had to, again, I'm not very creative, I guess. With <laughs> I'm glad they don't catch me on it. Um, but you're going to visit your husband soon. And oh, fingers yes. crossed you get pregnant. Yeah, I'm really hoping. So everyone knows I'm going back to yeah. Cambodia to see him. Ugh, it's so weird. but Yeah, but it kind of sucks. I can. I think for me as well, uh, with colleagues, because I can't tell anybody. I think my, my supervisor knows, and he's a foreigner, so it's a bit easier, but... I can just see that when Erin is pregnant, it's going to suck that I can't share any of that with my colleagues, can't share the excitement because if I'm not physically pregnant, they're not going to get it and I have to mm -hmm. be just super excited about my housemate being pregnant. Yeah. And I think that will be... I think it's be tough. And, and I think like that must always be tough for like even other like lesbians who are going through where oh, one, sure, you yeah. know, one way is pregnant the other isn't, but at least... I guess it would be easier, I guess, if you could talk about it, but yeah, I think it'll be really hard. Yeah, just as sort of another level of shittiness that you can't make that connected experience Yeah. anywhere. So yeah. anyway, it's kind of like just going back into the closet, which is a bit shitty and you're like I hiding know. again, but I know. Yeah, again, we're doing it for the babies. They like, better be pretty yeah. cool kids. It's part of the sacrifices we're making for <laughs> our children. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But that's life. And we will move forward. Yeah. So now, Erin? So now I am taking the pills. I'm on the pills that stop hormones or something. So you are not crazy pants. So I'm uncrazy pants. And you're now. always a peach. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So then you go on the next lot of um, tablets, and yeah. you'll be taking them when you're in the pole for work, mm -hmm. and you are not flying Beeman. We'll not fly the local airline again. We and will we will pay more money and not fly them. Yes. And then I'll be meeting, so after I'll be flying from Nepal and meeting Alex in Cambodia um, in about, what, two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks from today, we'll be in Cambodia and going for the embryo transfer. And we'll also be spending the week there so we can just catch up with friends and have some Relax. good food. Yeah, chill out by a pool. And Try not to sneeze. Yeah. Or swim, you can't swim. You just wash <laughs> the baby out. What else? What are your other rules? Well, I just don't want to... 
I don't know. I guess I should learn more about what not to do after the embryo transfer. Well, you're saying you don't even want to get in the car because you don't want to like bounce it well, out. Well, what if it bounces out? I know. So we have to walk everywhere, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. sucks because you hate walking. I really do hate walking. So yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's where we are. So wish us luck and we will chat to you again soon. Bye bye. Bye. Wow. That is fucking crazy. Cra <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You're not the only weird ones, okay? We are also <laughs> weird. I can't even imagine the uh, level of stress during that whole flight, trying to take the shot. Like, that. I can't imagine... I think I would have just lost it and you would have it, started threatening it, people with my hormone well, shots. Well, Ange is already like a terrible flyer, like deathly afraid phobia of flying and phobia of needles. I'm better with needles now. But since that's I like pushed a baby out my hoo-ha. But I giving still, yourself one? Yeah, it would still be really oh, difficult. You would have like I think that wow, scenario. Aaron, Aaron, you're like a superhero. <laughs> That sounds so... And this, the scenario, I oh think, when I was listening to it, of her trying to give herself shots, would totally be us. It would be you being like, babe, calm down. You can do it. And I'd be like, no, I can't. Everything's terrible. Yeah. <sighs> okay, one, two, three, do it. No, I can't. <sighs> but it's also the hormones. Oh, my God. To try and do, like, anything normal when you're that hormonal is hard, let alone something intensely stressful by all, like, on all levels. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. I can't even imagine. I'm but glad that it all worked out in the end. I'm glad it's over for you, but holy shit. I just, I can't. I don't, I, I don't have a whole lot of words right now because I was just like, what? <laughs> you poor, you poor things. That's funny about the air and the, and the needle thing because I remember when my mom was getting chemo and she had breast cancer, there was like a whole bunch of air in one of the tubes when they're doing the infusion. And I was like, mom, it's coming. It's going to, and I like ran out to the nurse station and I was like, there's air in her tube. And the nurse is like, okay. And comes and she's like, you have to have a lot more air for it to like kill you. And it seemed like a lot to me. It was like a couple inches. Of, like, well, the other thing is that the air bubble can only kill you if it's going into your vein. Cause the problem is that it's going to go into your heart. Well, this was going into my mom's vein, but yes, she was but, doing it. Yeah, but for Aaron, it wasn't. It's intramuscular, so just put that in your in your hat and remember that for next time. You, the air bubbles are not going to hurt you when it's going into your muscles. <laughs> but I can't imagine being even remotely rational in that moment. So, uh, bravo, you did it. You fucking did it. You must have felt like it, like such a champion when that was all over. Yeah, and definitely hold that over your kid's head if you get yeah. pregnant this time. If they're well, no, anytime, because it doesn't matter. It's still, it's still the same, like, even if it's, like, the second transfer, it's still the same. It's still, what am I trying to say? The procedure still led to the pregnancy. Yes. There I we go. you're saying. Wow. I'm thinking of it as each try is a different kid. <laughs> yeah. So this will be interesting to see when you have a baby if you feel like we do about just wanting to soak up every moment. And I feel like you're earning your kid way more than we <laughs> did. <laughs> I didn't know that they put you under for IVF. Retri egg retrieval. I that thought it was sense. sort of just like, we're just going to go in there and pull some things out. No, but it's, it's a surgery. Yeah. It's also a lot cheaper there. Yeah, wow. I mean, I guess the dollar translates differently too, but like for us here in Canada anyway, and 
I'm sure it's not that different in the States or in uh, Australia. Um, it starts out at like eight grand? No, it's like 10 to 15 grand. No, when yes. we talked to Dr. Seathram, it was like seven, and then it, after that it was 12. No. No? No, you're not remembering right. I think I'm right. You're not. 10 to 15,000, so five grand is amazing, but I mean, you're making up the difference in all your flights. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and all of that stuff, like... And I, I guess it does make sense that IUI would be more complicated given the way you have to do it. But I will say... Yeah, you'd say, have to, like... You'd have to be... I know. Because what you have to say isn't important. What I have to say is really important. You'd have to, like, pre... <laughs> you'd really have to know your cycle. Because you'd have to be like, I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to arrive at the right time that I'm ovulating. Like, yeah. fuck. Yeah, that would be way more stressful. But some people do use more than one vial when they're doing IUI of sperm. But we only used one. Because we are not shitting money (laughs) i think people do that because they're worried they're gonna miss it but i'd rather spend 745 dollars a month than like 1500 dollars a month. and someone told us that it didn't actually increase your chance of getting pregnant yeah i can't remember who that was but i believed them yeah (laughs) i was like okay i trust you because really the reason to do it use two vials is to like be super sure that you've captured the right window of time but with IVF it doesn't matter right because they're They're forcing it they're creating it for you also the brothers are listening hey boys hi brothers hi family (laughs) you know we found the same welcome to our vaginas (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry for my wife I have to apologize for inappropriate comments pretty much all the time but yeah we found the same thing with our family that they didn't really have no they didn't have the language to ask questions so it was really helpful for well for some of them to listen because they could get all this information and insight that was like harder to get sort of in regular family conversation as I learn more about you I keep thinking wow you guys have been together what like five years I think so like half the amount of time that we have and you've been through some really big intense stressful relationship tests I guess like yeah so good luck no no what I mean is that they're probably even better prepared for becoming parents because they've come through not being in the same place for 18 months which holy crap that would be so hard Mm. and like or relaxing no see now you can tell that we've been together five years (laughs) (laughs) you love to joke about how little you want me around but you (laughs) You actually want me around all the time. I keep asking, actually, because I've I've been off of work recently for various reasons. But um, well, really, there's just one. But never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, you keep ask. I keep asking you, like, do you want me? Are you tired of me yet? Like, do you want some space? Do you need to do something by yourself? And you keep saying no, and I'm always like, oh, weird. And then somehow you haven't picked up that maybe you should ask me that. What? No, because you are coming into my zone. Oh, the house is yours? Yes. I'm on maternity leave, and this is my time. You are coming into it because you should be at work, but you're not for various reasons. Through no fault of my own. But really, there's just one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I don't know why I'm being secretive about it. It's really not a secret. It's it's a stress leave from something that's work-related, but... Yeah. Anyway... So it will be fine. This is my time. You're coming into my time. So I don't need to ask you if you want me to leave when it's like my house. You I know need what I mean? you to leave, but just like, do you need some space or do you need some t- 
time by yourself. No, but you can go and take that. I'm going to continue doing what I'm going to do. I can go and take that? I can just get up and leave you and the yeah. baby and you don't care? Bye. That is not accurate. No. <laughs> because if I don't pay attention to the baby for like 20 minutes, you're like, um, can you do this? <laughs> Even though I'm kind of like, this is your time, so like you're <laughs> supposed to do all of this stuff. But I, I'm just saying, like, I don't think I should be like, do you need time? I just think if somebody asks that to the other person, then it would be natural for them to be like, oh, do you need this? I don't actually remember you asking. That doesn't mean anything. because you Well, have... ask me now. Are you tired of me, babe? Do you yes. need this? <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Something that does make me crazy, though, is in the morning. Wait, why are we talking about us? This is supposed to be about Alex and Aaron. Fuck that. <laughs> Here's our dirty laundry. In the morning, when Sterling wakes up, and she's, like, babbling and blah, 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 and I roll over, and I look at you, and you kind of open your eyes, and you look, and then you roll away, and you go back to sleep. Sometimes, that makes me want to stab you. I rarely actually go back to sleep. I'm just in denial that I have to be awake now. That's worse. So you're lying there awake, just ignoring us, pretending that you're asleep? To be what, fair, What that says my, to me, wait, wait, wait. Mm, what that says to me is, you and you, not my problem right now. <laughs> well, we've already covered this. This is your time, <laughs> and so you're supposed to be taking care of the baby. I'm supposed to be sleeping. No, I. that's not how it's been every day, but recently I've had really shitty sleep, like really shitty sleep. I've become kind of insomniac, so I'm having a really hard time in the mornings, and I feel bad about it. It does make me feel better that you feel bad. Yeah, Thank I do. You. I feel guilty because a couple times, like, I had to be like, can I just go back to sleep? Like, I'm dying right now. And you were like, fine. And what happened this morning? Our beautiful, wonderful, amazing, gorgeous baby woke you up at, what, 5.15? Mm-hmm. Scratching you with her tiny little razor-sharp nails. In the inside of my ear. And kept you up. Kept doing that until... I fed her. She still kept doing it. She was like crying and fussing every time I tried to get her back to sleep. I and I, ca- you to- did wake me up to tell me she was awake, which I was like, okay. And then I tried to like shush her. I and- didn't tell you she's. You just woke up. Oh yeah, because she was scratching me. Yeah. She rolled over to me and was like scratching the back of my neck. I was like, well, fuck you very much. That's like, not I'm gonna nice. make these bitches bleed. <laughs> so I was eventually. Trying to, like, I had to like get up and like rock her back to sleep, and then. Here, which see, here's the thing. Like 6.30. I knew she was awake, but you always tell me if I roll over when she's awake, then she thinks it's playtime because that's what I am to her, or she thinks it's like time to be awake for the morning. So I never know if it's a good idea for me to like jump in and be like, do you want me to help you? Or if I should just pretend I'm asleep because that seems to be what you want me to do. Yeah. I think at nighttime, I will tell you if I really need sleep. Okay. So I, I mean, but I, I will tell you <laughs> if I really need help. I do really need sleep, but I will tell you if I really need help. Because yeah. it's true. You roll over and she's like, okay, they're both up. That means that it's daytime and it's party time. And she gets super excited. So yeah. it's better to keep everything calm. I pretend like I'm still sleeping except I'm shushing her. You keep sleeping. That's fine. It's the morning when you do that, when we are genuinely up. That no, I'm no, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just telling you that like I feel guilty because you're up with her when she wakes up in the middle of the night on these rare occasions. And I'm not helping because I know you don't want me to. Yeah, that's fine. I'll tell you. Okay. But um, anyway, so this morning, Ange was like, I'm so fucking tired. You actually just like, you didn't even nicely wake me up. You just like hit me. We're like, wake up. The baby's awake. I'm so tired. You have to take her. And I was like, okay. 
So I was like barely even, had barely opened my eyes and I'm like, all right, I'm like putting on clothes. I'm grabbing the baby and we come out to the living room and I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) But we let you sleep. Yes, it was very nice. Thank you. We had breakfast. She ate a third of a banana roughly by herself. Well, maybe more of like a quarter. Had a few bites of that yogurt squeezy pouch thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you woke up. Here's the other thing, though. Anytime I want to, like, give you time to have a nap, you can't fall asleep. That doesn't mean I shouldn't have the time. I know that, and you rarely, almost never ask, so no. get to asking. I'm really itchy, and I have to pee, and I want to check to make sure the baby's not... She's alive and fine. But she moved, and now it looks like the pillow's on top of her head. It's not, and... How do you know? Because it always looks like that, and then you go in, and you're like, oh, it's just... Touching the top of her head, but it's not smothering her. But it's always good to check, I think. Yeah, because you're paranoid. Paranoid? Paranoid? Anyway, thanks, Wait, Alex and Anne. No, 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 I have more questions. Oh, good God. Well, I have to pee, so you can ask them right now. <laughs> Is there even, like, a gay community to connect with? Like, it would have to, obviously, it would have to be kind of underground, sort of the way it was in... The underground gay railroad? No. <laughs> You're you a twat. Imagine? You're just a twat. You know that? No, it's I mean like, like disco back to- balls and like Ani DeFranco <laughs> in this underground railroad. Oh God. I don't know why I talked to you anymore. Like the conductor. Sorry. Are you? <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> she doesn't get out much, folks. Anyway, I assume that it would be like when it was g- illegal to be gay here, and people had to hide essentially, but there was still, like, clubs that would get raided, but people were going to clubs, and there was, like, still meetups and places to go, or, like, you know, gay dudes fucking in the park, that kind of thing. Maybe there's, like, a handkerchief system there. You think they have hanky codes there? (laughs) I really doubt it. Maybe. I don't even know. Like, here, you just go to a gay bar, and you're like, hey, there's some gay people, or join a gay baseball league, or, like... I don't know, walk down the street (laughs) in the west end of Vancouver. things we do. (laughs) But seriously... a gay baby. I hope she's not gay. People ask me if I want her to be gay. I'm like, no. <laughs> Why would I want that? But so, if she is, that's fine with us, I guess. I guess we'll accept Can it. Can you imagine if we were, like, homophobic parents of a gay child, but we're gay? I think those exist. Probably. Mm. Because you can be... You can accept that you're gay, but not be okay with, like, certain levels of gay. You know what I mean? Ooh, like Milo Yiannopoulos, or whatever his name is. Huh? You know? Him? No. You don't know him? <laughs> no. Oh my god. I swear like 90% of our listeners are like, what? Jackie's been living under a rock. Milo Yannanapolis. So why don't you explain the situation? He is this gay man who like hates himself and hates all other gay people and thinks that there shouldn't be gay marriage. He... Oh, is he conservative in yeah. the States? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, but I've heard people talk about him and... Maybe, is it him? I think it's this guy. I don't know if it's the same person, but I've heard them talk about this, like, political kind of figure who's gay and is, like, very conservative and anti-gay in that he's just playing a role that it's, like, a way of having some sort of political clout and having people pay attention to him. Oh, he's totally doing it that all it's, for attention. Yeah, but it's not he act, like he actually believes it. It's hard to tell. He's also, well, It like, doesn't really matter, honestly, if he believes it or not because... He's doing so much, like, harm to the cause of, you know, gay rights. He's the worst. He's terrible. 
And then Schuster and Schuster gave him a book deal. Even though he's, like, said terrible racist Simon things. Schuster? Whatever. <laughs> Fucking Amy Schumer gave him a book deal. Um, <laughs> even though he said, like, horrible racist things. He was the one that led the charge against Leslie Jones on Twitter. He was the one that was, like, start getting everyone riled up and saying really horrible things. Well, you know what? Gay or not, white, pri- white male privilege is still a fucking thing. Is he white? I'm assuming he's yeah, white. He's totally white. Of course he's, he's fucking white. I think. His last name is Yannanopoulos? Uh, I think he made that up. Okay, because I was going to say, that sounds very Greek, but... Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, he's awful. So Simon Schuster gave him a book deal. And then he came out and he said that... He was talking about how sometimes in the gay community, there's older men that will take on younger men and sort of, like, teach them to, like, how to go about being gay. And they'll often have, like, a sexual relationship. And everyone was like, oh my god, he's, like, condoning pedophilia. Then they dropped him from his book deal. Good. Because of that... But not because he w- he's like a fucking white supremacist. Oh, right, because um, free speech? And racism is okay, but, but not what pedophilia. about the children? Even though what he's talking about is not actually pedophilia. People need to stop calling everything... I mean, this is going to maybe sound offside, but... <laughs> People need to stop calling out pedophiles. Well, Let no, them be. No, because pedophilia is literally just wanting children, like prepubescent children, and having a sexual interest in them. Not anyone who's, like... Under 18. Yeah. Or anyone who's, like, considerably younger than them. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, way overused. And there's another word. What is it called? Ophelia? Edophilia? Or something like that for, like, somebody who's, like, basically between 18 and, like, puberty and 18-ish. Or puberty and 17-ish or yeah. whatever. Because isn't it, like, if the person that you're attracted to is, say, 16... But fully formed mm-hmm. in terms of like puberty, like they have breasts and you're not a pedophile and all the rest of it. And you're having sex with them. You're not considered a pedophile. You're still creepy as shit if you're like forty. And it's weird because like, who wants to fuck a sixteen year old when you're like thirty? Like they're not good conversationalists. I work with youth. Nor they're... are they good in bed at sixteen. <laughs> Is anybody good at anything at sixteen? Like you're barely a human at that point. You don't even know who you are. Anyway. You can be creepy as fuck, but you're not actually a pedophile. If because you're, you're, not a att- you're not attracted to them because they don't look like a child. They look the, like an adult. Exactly. It's completely, like, physiological. Is this a pedophilia apology? Apo- are we being pedophilic apologists right now? I'm not a pedophile sympathizer, if that's what you're talking yes. about. <laughs> no. No, I just think it's, like, it's ignorant to to call everything pedophilia when it's just, like, younger or... And it also gets thrown around so much in the gay community about these kind of common... I mean, it's it's the same fucking thing as, like, you know, girls with daddy issues who date guys who are way older than them because they have daddy issues. That happens in the gay community, too. So there are often relationships between young boys, not young, young, like, you know, in their teens late teens, early 20s, with, like, older men, it's a common thing, but it's no worse than, like, a 19-year-old girl dating a 30-year-old or, like, a 16-year-old. What? You dated an 18-year-old when you were 14, you know? Like, that's fucking gross. Yeah. But that's no different than what happens in the gay community, and nobody's running around calling these, like, 25- to 30-year-old guys dating teenagers pedophiles. You know what I mean? Well, some of some people are. Right, but it's not I don't know. I don't think it's seen as negatively in the like in the global sense. Yeah. 
And, like, people look at it and they're like, of course, why wouldn't you want to... Like, I mean, the 16-year-old girl is, like, the, like, mecca of beauty and sexuality in the way North North America, like, portrays beauty. Mm-hmm. So everyone understands why a 30, 30-year-old guy would want to fuck a 16-year-old girl. But nobody looks at a gay man, like a 16-year-old gay man, in the same way, right? Well, it's, do you, so then do you think it's just another way of saying, like, the gay community is gross? Yes, totally. It's a way of, like, demonizing common practices in, in the community because it's easier to call it disgusting and relate it to something really deviant like pedophilia than just acknowledge that it's something that happens in every community. Mm-hmm. And, like, all across history, I mean, women were fucking brides at, like, 15, 12, so... Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the situations when there's, like, like the hot-for-teacher thing, where there's, like, a young 16, 15, 16, 17-year-old guy having sex with his teacher who's, you know, say, 32 30. or whatever, and and then the teacher gets put in jail because... You mean Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah, like that kind of situation. Okay, her... Do you think no, 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 that no, no. that kid that is, That was like, fucked up because, um... What was his I'm name? I'm not necessarily talking about that specific situation, but situations like that. Okay, when you're talking about, like, a 16, 17-year-old, that's different than, like, a 13-year-old. Yeah. He was 13. Okay. Well, I'm talking about... It has happened when it's, like, 16, 17-year-old boys having sex with their teachers. There's so many issues in terms of power dynamics. Like, that's... that it's a It's a breach of trust in that relationship as a teacher to, like, children... Okay, but there is absolutely that's fucking in, fucked up, and maybe it's a double standard of our society that's infiltrated into my brain. But I see that as way different than a thirty-two-year-old male teacher having sex with a sixteen-year-old female. Because in that situation, there's like then there's gender oppression and and power in a different sense, right? They're both wrong, but I feel like it's more of an abuse of power for a male teacher to do that to with a 16 year old well yeah because there's like it's part of our culture where there's some teachers that you're supposed to be attracted to if you're like a 17 16 year old guy yeah right like there's this song by motley Crue that's hot for teacher there's like tv shows and like um, but then there's also the whole like um sexual trope of a of a you know a school girl yeah and that's i think it's it's worse for the young woman because the whole world is always telling her that her reason to exist is to please men, to look beautiful for men, to attract men, to flirt with men, to be there for men's pleasure. That's not the same message that 16-year-old boys are hearing about their hot 30-something teachers. Yeah. Do so you- there's like a different layer of um, like a lack of agency for that female. Mm-hmm. So do you? would you say... We had a son and a daughter. And they both fucked their teachers? And they both Man, fucked their proud. teachers. <laughs> we're like, yes. Really killing it on this. And then we're sitting around the dinner table. We're like, like, it's because we let them sleep with us past six months. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be more concerned about your son or your daughter? I don't think I can say... I don't have an answer for that. Hmm. I just feel like I wouldn't be as worried. I'd be like... They're mm. still they're still incredibly impressionable and they shouldn't be but it sexualized by me, a teacher. That's really, No, I know that that's really wrong. Obviously, wrong. like, the teacher's fucked up. 
So but, I, it's, I'd be worried about both of them, and I'd be fucking suing everyone. <laughs> but don't you think it's, like, not necessarily a traumatic situation for the boy? You think the kid that was with Mary Kay Letourneau is just fine now? Didn't they get married? They have, like, kids now? Yeah, but he... Like, he wasn't even a person yet. I'm not talking about 13. I'm talking about 16, 17. Still... How many times have you heard the thing about how teenagers are, like, chemically, like, imbalanced? They're, like, crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so they're basically being um, manipulated and taken advantage of, no matter whether it's a female or male, at an age when they aren't actually capable of making good choices. But, okay, for the majority of 16, 17-year-old boys are out fucking people all the time. Yeah, but they're not going to be... You think they're going to suddenly no, be because... like, oh, what's my teacher? I'm traumatized. It's not that it's traumatic in the sense that, like, they're getting raped. But it's traumatic in the sense that they didn't get a chance to have a normal childhood and experience the things that normal 16-year-olds would experience without having someone who they already have um, been taught to trust and listen to who maybe isn't saying things to them that are in their in their best interest. They're doing things selfishly. Mm. Right? Mm. So it's a, it's kind of like this kid had, like, in that, the Mary, Mary Kay Letourneau thing, that kid didn't have a chance to have a normal life because of what this woman did. She should never have approached a sexual relationship with a student. Well, yeah, for sure. Seriously, like, people out, like, grown people who are having sex with teenagers, regardless of whether or not their physical bodies are developed, like, how, what kind of conversations are you having with those people? You know what I mean? Like, you're lying in bed after a fuck fest, and you're like, so what'd you do today? Um, like, my my friend was like, oh my god, I totally need to get my hair cut. And I was like, oh my god, you better not get my hair cut. Because so, I was thinking that I was going to get my hair cut short, and whenever I do anything, like, she always copies me. This one time, I bought these black docks that I found at the thrift store, and then the next, like, two weeks, she had her mom buy her the same ones. And it's like, you know, it's really just really annoying that, like, everything I do, she just copies me. Like, that kind of shit? You're just going to sit there and listen to that? So you're less bothered by them fucking them, more bothered by them wanting to have a conversation. I I just don't get it, which is a good thing. Since you asked the question, who would you be more worried about? Well, that's what I was saying. Like, I feel as though I would be less worried about my son. And maybe that's because of whatever gender roles have been placed in my head from society that boys don't have to be worried about. And if they have sex, they like enjoy it always and they can't be raped, all that kind of stuff. You so know maybe I need not, to do You know something. that's not true though, right? Yeah, I know that boys can't be raped. I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck. Boys can. Boys, be raped. yes, can be raped. I know. Because there's like, there's also that, that idea that because your body reacts to something that you're into it. Sometimes no, it's just a physiological response that you have no control over yeah especially at 16 Mm -hmm. but um I think in terms of the way the world would see them it's different because she would be labeled a slut he would be labeled a stud Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah you banged your teacher that's so awesome that's like a good thing whereas for the female it's like you're a pathetic piece of garbage what's wrong with you yeah so there's more there's just like another layer of also world change the fucking school catholic school girl outfit like the uniforms why are we still dressing these girls in these sexualized outfits they have been completely taken over knee-high socks and a tiny short skirt and a button-up shirt and a cardigan yeah 
That is a sexual outfit that we How dress young girls in. How many pornos have been filmed yeah, in that pornos, costume? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That we're still just being like, nope, they have to wear this. Yeah. Put them in pants. Put them in really high-waisted, really <laughs> pleated. wide, pleated, <laughs> flabby mom pants. Yeah. So With like literally no like one looks good in those pants. Thick cable knit sweater. Well, I mean, it gets hot. Like maybe just like a golf shirt. <laughs> so I'm essentially describing my uniform when I worked at the Peony. And my uniform when I worked at McDonald's. Yeah. Pleated pants that are like thick, canvassy. Yeah. <laughs> they can't do anything but make everyone look like they have a gunt. I'm sorry, that's a word I shouldn't use, but ooh. And and a visor. And a really big golf shirt that like doesn't fit and you have to tuck in and it adds to the guntiness. And it says St. Patrick's Catholic School. And a chastity belt. Ew. Oh my god, speaking of chastity, one of the Duggar girls was seen wearing pants. What's that have to do with being chased? My mind is fucking blown. She's already married or something. I know, but none of the girls, even after being married, have worn pants. Yeah, but isn't her husband, like, used to be, like, a regular person and now is religious? So it's it could just be like, eh. He's seen what it's like on the other side and she's always... It's ginger, right? Yeah. The f- of free ginger. Everyone thought she was, like, the most likely to be... To escape. Yeah. And she is. She's wearing pants. Oh my god. What a revolutionary. Oh my god. I've never thought that I would see a Duggar girl in pants. I was so excited. The fact that you spent time thinking about whether these fucking weird fundies would wear pants one day. (laughs) Wow, babe. You don't know what I do with my time. The world is getting smaller and smaller. It's just one step away from the craziness of her fucking parents. And then the youngest girl in the, well, not the youngest girl, because she's like two, but uh, another one of them is engaged, ready to get the fuck out. So then it's just going to be Jana, the oldest girl, and a bunch of little kids. Wait, who's getting out? Joanna. Poor Jana, man. <laughs> she's not allowed to do anything because she's her father's property. Oh, and she was. she did this interview with some religious magazine online that I read and she was like yeah you know I've just come to terms with waiting and waiting for who the Lord has in store for me blah 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 and she said the saddest thing and it was like you know sometimes I get I feel a little bit left out because the married couples will go off and do things and and you know I'm not part of that group I'm like you guys are fucking assholes why can't you bring your sister along because she's not married because it's her job to take care of all the little kids so Michelle can just practice her really bad hairstyle and her really innocent baby sounding talking and have and spend an hour trying to shove her uterus back in her body because you know that shit is prolapsed and is probably like 60 feet long hey she doesn't get to have any complaints okay it's all about jim bob and when he wants to stick it in her prolapsed flabby (laughs) (laughs) opening Throw that limp hot dog down that really, really stretched out hallway. (laughs) Oh, gross. I used to have an Instagram called Fake Michelle Duggar that I had so much fun doing, and then they shut me down. I think it's so stupid that they shut you down, because you said it's right in the name that you're not the real one. Well, I was really mean about them. I would, like... They deserve it. They're really mean about everyone else who isn't like them, which is 
Like, everyone. Yeah, well, anyway. She's wearing pants. Good for her. I feel like we keep trying to talk about Alex and Aaron and then talking about ourselves or the Duggars or something. Mary Kay Letourneau? Like, how did all of this come up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we got an update from Alex and Aaron. Keep us updated. Let us know. Good luck. I think it's, like, probably days away now that you're going to be... Seeing your husband in Cambodia (laughs) um, to try and get pregnant. So good luck. We're sending lots of really fertile... No, what they say on the forums is lots of sticky baby thoughts. So your baby sticks inside your body. That's obnoxious, but yeah. And Erin, I totally get not wanting to like go in a car or like do anything that might shake the baby out. Yeah, as soon as I found out that I was pregnant, I felt like I was made of glass. I was Mm -hmm. like, huh. It's just going to fall out my body and scurry away. Oh, my God. Speaking of that, I had the most fucked up dream about Sterling last night. Yes. I had to go and get Jackie and tell her to come to bed because I was scared. It was... You weren't scared. You were, like, disturbed by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you thought it was really going to happen, right? No, but I was just like, I need someone to come and be with me now because this is fucked Mm -hmm. up. I, I, I was just watching her through the monitor in this dream, and she was... Her being our baby. Her being our baby. <laughs> she who? She was possessed, and she was doing all this fucked up shit. Like, she was, she was still the size that she is, but she was... Her eyes were black, they were wide open, and she was, like, crab walking. So, you know that walking where you have your arms down and your legs down? But you're... Like, if you laid down and then you lift it up onto your hands... I think crab and, walking is pretty yeah. self-explanatory. She was doing that around, like, in circles around the bed. And then she was... I can't remember. She was just doing, like, lots of weird... Like, rolling around a lot, and then she would stand straight up, and then she would fall limp. And the, way, the best way that I can describe it was, like, if you have a marionette, like a puppet, that's on strings, and if you just let it go, it kind of, like, does this very specific kind of flop fall, mm-hmm. where everything just goes, like, crumples underneath it, kind of. Mm-hmm. And she was doing that. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I went into the bedroom to get her... And for some reason, I was trying to get her to come to me because I couldn't, like, get into the room. And she looked terrified. And I was like, Sterling, come here, come here. I was trying to get her to just, like, move toward the end of the bed so I could, like, grab her. But she couldn't. Like, she could only get so far. And she just, like, looked so scared. And then I woke up and I was like, that was terrifying. Angie has the most fucked up, disturbing, and vivid dreams of anybody I've ever met. Hmm. It's almost like you did a bunch of acid when you were a kid or something. Like, I don't know where it comes from, but it's it's really... Yeah. I mean, it's no... <laughs> it's no celery leg bone. <laughs> that but. was my favorite dream that I've ever had in my entire life. I had this dream once that I was, like, walking down the street. I, there's more involved, but the best part of the dream was that my leg hurt. So I looked down, and there was a cut in my shin... And I reached in and pulled out my bone, which was a rotting piece of celery. (laughs) And my leg went all floppy. And it smelled really bad. (laughs) And then I went to a party. I love that dream. You went to a party with your floppy, floppy. rotten leg? (laughs) Yeah, whoever I was with in the dream piggybacked me. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a work party. Oh, man, so good. What do you think that dream means? If you were to, like, psychologically analyze your dream. The celery dream? No. Oh. <laughs> the baby dream. Uh, I don't know. That I have no control over her, ultimately? <laughs> hmm. Maybe. 
I'm sorry your mind is such a dark place. It isn't like day to day. Well, <laughs> haven't we talked about how everywhere we go, we always are like, like we were in the forest. How am I going to die here and how will I escape if there's a terrorist attack and what will I do if there's an earthquake? Yeah, but I mean, like, who doesn't? We went, <laughs> a lot of people. We went for a walk in the woods and there was like this huge ravine and I just kept thinking, what if I just threw the baby down here? What if I just, what if she fell down or what I, what if I like accidentally dropped her down this ravine? Like what if, what would happen? I think that's a normal way to be though because that's... doesn't feel normal. That's helping you figure out what's dangerous in your vicinity mm-hmm. and plan. Yeah, but at the time, somebody else things. was wearing her. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like I could have... I would have had to like... Take shove her. them? <laughs> what if I just shoved her down? With her Tia. <laughs> well, Alex and Aaron, keep us updated. Want to hear what's happening. Uh, we also had another couple write to us and say they wanted to share their experience, so we'll see if that pans out. We're just becoming like a little hub. Soon you guys won't even need us anymore. I kind of hope that's true in a certain sense, because wouldn't it be great? And okay, I used to be in this, um, in this gay youth choir, which was the first of its kind in North America, and it was like a non-identifying choir, so anyone could just go and be in it. You didn't have to say you know, if you were questioning or queer or whatever. Anyway, um, one of the founders of it, and I guess he was our our, our accompanist, would always say, I hope that this choir one day works towards its own obsolescence. And I always thought that was such a cool idea that, like, wouldn't it be great if we didn't need to have a podcast for this because it was just normalized and nobody was treated differently and it was, like, you know, less alienating. Hmm. However, I really like podcasting, so please keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're not going to stop, so deal with it. No, we're just going to make our podcast farther and farther apart <laughs> until you forget our names. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we would love to have as many, share as many people's stories as we can because that's the way we can feel connected is by reaching out to each other and telling our stories. So bring it on. Okay, until next time, I love you. Do you love them, Jackie? Say you love them. Just say it. Just say you love them. I love them. Let's <laughs> not do the podcast at all. <laughs> Your baby mama's podcast. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mama's Podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.